Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin and Sherelle McMillan. You're listening to the Inside Carolina radio show, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Uh, I've got Ross and Sherelle here to talk a little basketball. It's been uh, quite... Uh, football-centric of late at Inside Carolina, especially on these podcasts. But we we got to talk basketball, even though the schedule is weird and they play what seems like uh, once in forever, I think four games total in December. Uh, so we're going to talk recruiting. And, Sherelle, some news came out this week. Zaire Williams uh, received an offer from Roy Williams. And California guy, so long ways away, Tell us that process. Tell us what led to the offer, and tell us what you think about Williams himself. Yeah, so it's it's been pretty methodical. And first off, I'd like to thank Greg Barnes for uh, allowing me to be in his place on the Tuesday night uh, Ross and Greg podcast because <laughs> I'm sure Greg is tired from breaking all these stories. Um, but yeah, Zaire um, he first I guess caught North Carolina's eye over the summer. Um, he plays with a club that's not really on one of the main circuits, PTI. And Coach Robinson happened to see him in Las Vegas. Assistant Coach T. Robinson saw him in Las Vegas and, you know, kind of liked what he saw. And then it was kind of the bombshell of uh, Late Night with Roy that he was a surprise unofficial visitor. We didn't find out until he was already in the building that he had flown from uh, Los Angeles to RDU to uh, watch, you know, take an unofficial visit to UNC, watch Late Night with Roy, and then watch practice the next day. So that kind of laid the groundwork. And uh, Coach Robinson is the lead recruiter for Zaire. And, you know, they've been communicating the last couple of months. And he told them since he visited that uh, Coach Williams and Coach Robinson would go out there and watch him at some point, probably in late November, early December. So last Friday, um, they flew to a tournament in Sacramento that his uh, high school was playing at. Um, He plays for high school called Notre Dame in Sherman Oaks, which is, I think, a suburb of L.A. I don't know my California geography that well. <laughs> but uh, he had a great game by all accounts, played really well. I believe he had 29 points and 15 rebounds. And, um, you know, I think uh, Roy Williams liked what he saw because he called Sunday night uh, as I was doing homework and offered him a scholarship to UNC. So he joins uh, UNC commitment Dayron Sharp, along with Jeremy Roach, who's a point guard, um, and uh, Isaiah Todd, who's power forward in 2020 with uh, UNC offers. So with Zaire Williams, I watched a little bit of his tape. Can you kind of go into the type of player he is? Because for first I was watching, I was like, is this guy kind of a power forward? Because he kind of reminded me a lot of John Henson and the way he maneuvered around the basket down low and putbacks. But I saw he was a small forward and that he was more of a versatile uh, kind of wing player. How do you see his um, skill set panning out when he gets to that you know freshman year, sophomore year, and what kind of player? he could be um, in college. 
Yeah, I think he's definitely a wing. Um, he he has some advanced skills uh, on the perimeter as far as ball, ball handling, and he's a pretty good shooter as well. But uh, I think what people like the most about him is just that he's versatile. And, uh, you know, some people hate it, but it is what it is. That positionless basketball is kind of the, you know, the generic term that everybody uses now. And he feels like he can play pretty much any position on the court, which makes him positionless. And so that's his strength. Uh, that's what Coach Williams told him uh, when they talked about the offer, that he really liked his versatility. He also liked his demeanor on the court. Um, so I think once you add all that together, you get a guy who um, can play some two, play some three. I think long-term, he's he's a three, um, if we're going back to actual position. He's a, he's a small forward, can handle, shoot, can do a lot of things. But he also um, has the length. He's going to have to gain some weight you know, pretty much like any high school junior um, because he's, he's pretty slight of build right now, but I, I think that stuff will come. What, uh, what's the process now? I mean, could this be a guy that we could expect to commit to Carolina in, in the coming months, or is it more like a uh, later on a year down the line, or is this kind of escalating where it could happen soon, given the, the visit and the offer and his, his distinct interest in Carolina, and to follow that, what is UNC looking in the 2020 class? I know 2019 is not done, but what can we expect in terms of different positions and numbers that Roy Williams and staff will try to bring in for the next cycle? Um, so, on what's next for Zaire, I, I, I don't, you know, it could always change. You know, a kid could wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, "I'm committing today," and be done. Um, but from all all accounts, he's gonna wait a little bit. Um, at least until his senior season, which will be, you know, next fall. Uh, what's good for North Carolina and schools that uh, start off recruiting a guy pretty early is that they can start taking official visits now, I believe August of the junior year. Uh, so if he wanted to, he could go ahead and set up an official visit, say, for like the Duke game, uh, the North Carolina Duke game coming up uh, in the spring or another big game that North Carolina has this year. Or he could just wait till, you know, uh, next fall and do it kind of in the traditional way. So those are options for him. Um, I, like I said, I don't foresee a, a quick commitment or anything like that. Um, he still wants to, wants to build a relationship with the staff, uh, you know, coach Williams, nor coach Robinson. I don't think I've ever talked with his parents, uh, just a conversation with just them. So that's something that'll need to get taken care of. And then North Carolina kind of has to see what it's going to get in 2019 to figure out exactly, uh, what 2020 is going to look like now. In 2019, they've talked about uh, the need for kind of a big class, and you can see that in their offers. They offered multiple point guards, multiple combo guards, multiple wings, multiple uh, hybrid forwards, and multiple centers. So they want a big class uh, in 19, and I think regardless of what happens, they're going to need a, a decent-sized class in 20 as well because they're you know they're losing three seniors, well, two seniors and a grad student this year, more than likely Nasir Little. And then I don't think you can expect Kobe White to be at UNC more than two years. So that's five uh, key players that you're going to lose over a two-year span. So they got to start replacing some of that uh, offensive firepower and just talent overall. Sherelle, I think uh, Steve Robinson in his Zaire Williams Q&A on the website compared him to maybe a favorably to Justin Jackson. And we've done that a lot uh, with like Cam Johnson and people like that. But is that a fair comparison for a high school junior? Um, You know, I think it helps them envision really what they would be in North Carolina system. So if, if coach Robinson says, Hey, you kind of remind me of a little more athletic Justin Jackson, 
he can say, okay, let me go look at what Justin Jackson did in North Carolina, um, why he was successful there, why he was an All-American, why he won a national title, and then kind of extrapolate and, and say, okay, this is what I can do with my skills playing similarly to him. So I think it helps just to kind of give them a guidepost for uh, what they can be in North Carolina system. And, and let me, you mentioned, and I know the rules changed fairly recently, but the, the being able to take official visits earlier, you know, it's interesting when you follow recruiting um, as much as you guys do to sort of see where the visits fall for the guys that commit. Like, is it the first visit? Is it the last visit? Does it matter? So how much of, of a change or how much does a benefit for a school, a college or a university to get a an official visit from a, a 2020 guy this early in the process? I mean, it, it's, it seems like it could be a benefit but it also seems like there could be some downside to it as well yeah so before so there's been two real changes in the last six or seven years so the first one was uh you could start taking official visit official visits january 1st of your junior year so the start of the spring semester your junior year north carolina was kind of on the leading edge of that uh they had joel berry justin jackson uh brandon ingram tony bradley all took advantage of that and Three of those guys ended up playing for for UNC, um, and then the, since it changed, I, I don't know if it's going to be as important or as impactful because you know guys can take a visit during the junior year, then they can take another visit during the senior year as well. So it, it doesn't, um, it's not as valuable, so to speak. I think if a player was willing to use his official visit on North Carolina, you know, in February of his junior year, that kind of told you what he was thinking that maybe Carolina had a slight lead or, or something like that. And I think now that's probably not the case because if they want, they can just do it again in the fall. So it's important, but I, I think it's lost a little bit of its luster. All right, guys, now it's time to talk about Heels Travel, a valued IC podcast sponsor that's received rave reviews for their package to UNC Cal early in the year. And it's really been good for getting people to long distance UNC away games that applies for the upcoming game against Kentucky. I believe this is the next game after Gonzaga on December 22nd. UNC is taking on the Wildcats in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago, and Heels Travel wants to get you there. Call 336-855-0060 or visit heelstravel.com to learn about that package. It includes airfare from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, transportation to and from the airport, which is always a hassle. This makes that easy. And a two-night stay at the Omni Chicago Super Nice Hotel right in downtown Chicago on Michigan Avenue. So you're there in the heart of the action during Christmas time. The UNC battle team is always is also staying in that same hotel. The price and inclusions that Heels Travel is offering for the Omni Chicago is less than if you book that hotel directly. It's a great chance to see UNC take on Kentucky. It should be a high-level game at an important part of this season. And a chance to explore a great city with your with your loved ones, your family, a date, your your friends, all the above. So call 336-855-0060. Shrell, want to jump into the 2019 class, the, the more, I guess, important class at this point. Um, and, and what I want to dive into is the Cole Anthony visit. You know, I was sitting there getting ready to cover a 9 p.m. UNC Wilmington game. Uh, just finished up some tacos back there in the press room and was kind of getting ready to move to my seat and getting ready for tip-off, honestly. And I kind of looking around. I didn't didn't know about any player, any recruits that are going to be there. 
I hadn't planned anything. Usually we know you or Ben alert me to recruits that are, that are going to be there. And I, I try to grab an early photo, put together an article, and, and try to get that up quickly. Um, and all of a sudden I looked down there and I was like, is that Cole Anthony? And it was it was maybe two, three minutes from tip-off. And so I ran down, took a photo of him. You, you we, I was messaging with you. You told me that who was there. I went down and took a photo of Cole Anthony and, and uh, Isaiah Todd, who was also there with some with some friends. And that just struck me. It was a huge visit. It was the number one guard, the number three overall, overall player of the 2019 class for a 9 p.m. weekend game um, with UNC. And this is a long intro to kind of get you to kind of break down what this may mean for his recruitment. Uh, how often does this happen with this elite of a player? And, and kind of what, yeah, what does this mean for UNC in this class and Anthony's recruitment? Um, so it's never a bad thing to have, you know, the, the uh, one of the top guards in the country uh, at your arena on a Wednesday at 9 p.m. Just because that's not a time that you would expect a recruit to be there. Like you said, I mean, we we try to check with various sources before every game um, with parents, with coaches, with um, just a lot of people to see who might be in the Smith Center that night. And honestly, we didn't really check because it was a Wednesday night at 9 p.m. You don't expect anybody um, who probably doesn't live in Chapel Hill or Raleigh to be at a game um, at the Smith Center on a Wednesday at 9. So Isaiah Todd, you know, that that makes sense because he lives 25, 30 minutes away. <clears throat> but Oak Hill is a, a nice little hump from Chapel Hill um, in Mouth of Wilson, Virginia. Um, so it's it's a good thing for UNC that they were to get, able to get him back on campus, I believe. That's UNC is the only place he's visited three times. He took a visit in August. He took his official visit in September, and then he was back there um, against UNCW. So it's it's definitely a positive. Um, I don't foresee it really, you know, um, changing anything as far as decision timetable or anything like that. He still wants to sign in late uh, late spring, probably mid to late uh, April, I would imagine around one of the uh, all-star games, McDonald's or Jordan brand or uh, Nike global challenge or anything like that. Um, so I don't think it, it changes that at all, but just the fact that you got him on campus, he actually saw a game, a UNC game. Um, you know, you would like, I think if you're North Carolina to have Kobe white out there, so he could um, definitely see exactly the kind of freedom he'll have on offense next season where he to pick UNC, but uh, there's no, really no downside to having him there. Has he taken all his official visits? I know he's gone to Oregon, Notre Dame, UNC. Is that it? Or are there some more? Georgetown, I think. Yeah, he's taken four or five. So um, the you just named them all. UNC, Georgetown, Notre Dame, and Oregon are the four official visits he's taken. And I think it's unclear, um, you know, if he's going to take a fifth or where he'll take his fifth too. And then for him, you know, uh, I don't think uh, flying to a school over the weekend is necessarily a huge deal for him and his family. So um, just because the school doesn't get an official visit, I don't think means that they are out of it or they're not in contention for um, his signature. Sherelle, talking about, you mentioned Kobe White, and he certainly has had as much freedom as any freshman, true freshman point guard, maybe in a, in a good long while. I don't even, I mean, Taiwan Lawson didn't even have the freedom that Kobe's had. And I'm trying to think of any freshman that has under Roy Williams. So my question is this, when people talk about the elite guys committing, how come that's overshadowed shadowed by maybe how Roy Williams has handled Nasir Little? I mean, and your thoughts on that? Because it's just all over the place with what people try to talk about, uh, but they seem to key on Nasir and his minutes or lack thereof. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a it's a astute point. You know, you, you kind of wonder if you're a top flight player and you see Kobe White out there, you know, getting all the shots he wants, then why are you worried about kind of uh, what's going on with Nasir? Um, and Nasir is behind Cam Johnson. I shouldn't say behind. Nasir comes off the bench and he has Cam Johnson who plays in his position. He's playing really well. And then the other player he might, uh, um, you know, sub in for is Luke May, who was an All-American last year. So it's a little bit of a different uh, situation for Nasir and Kobe, just because, um, you know, there there wasn't that level of production in front of Kobe like there was uh, Nasir. And frankly, if we're honest, I don't think really, uh, you know, if we go back to a year and a half ago, I don't think North Carolina really expected Cameron Johnson to be back for a second season. I think they would have liked it, but, you know, his injuries and some of the things that happened, I think, kept him from, uh, going to the NBA after uh, his one season grad transfer season at UNC. So everybody's happy to have him back, but you know, then, you know, you, you can't, you can't have Nasir come in and start right away uh, with Cam there just because of, you know, how Roy Williams likes to do things and how well uh, Cam played when he was uh, moderately healthy last season and how well he's played this season. So it is interesting to me um, that that is how, people see things but i think the good thing for unc is that nasir little um and his family um really are handling this the right way um for them uh it is all about the process it is all about nasir finding ways to help the team and doing things within um, the confines of unc system so it's not a chemistry issue and i think at a lot of places it would be so um, that helps North Carolina as well in the recruiting trail to say, hey, you know, this guy, you know, he obviously he wants to start, but he's a team first guy. And I think what Roy Williams will say when the season is over is he was a team first guy and, you know, the team had success. And because the team had success, he did as well. And look at him now. He's a you know top five pick in the draft or something like that. So talking about Nasir's stats, when we talked a little bit off the air and I mentioned the per 40 minute stat because a lot of people have shouted that out at the naysayers that talk about um Little's, you know, lesser numbers compared to maybe some other guys down the road. How do you see the forty minute stats? I mean, you made the point that it may not be it's a little misleading. I, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but he's a twenty four and ten guy per forty minutes. There's not too many college players that play forty minutes though. Right. And and you know, there's a lot of things that can be taken from those per, per 40 that maybe aren't there or uh, maybe look different if you apply a different lens. And what's funny to me is that, you know, there's a person in particular or a few people in particular who use the per 40 to say, hey, look, Nasir Little is still good. But at the same time, they're saying, well, he's not playing that much. So what's the problem? So it's like, you know, you can't, you can't, dis, you can't uh, uh, discount what he's doing and then say, well, if he played more, you know, he might be able to score more points or he might be able to do this or he might be able to do that and then say um, the opposite of that going at the same time. It, it it doesn't make any sense to me how you can be on two sides of the per 40. So I, I get annoyed by that kind of stuff. I think the main thing for this year is time. He's a freshman, you know, and just because and the elephant in the room is that Duke has three high profile freshmen who are playing well, who get, you know, every shot opportunity that they want can shoot whenever they want. And that's not, not saying that as a negative, that's just the Duke system. And that's what um, that present Duke team requires of them. 
But because of that, people are comparing Nasir to them when it's completely different situations. Um, and if you look at some of the things Nasir said, even before he enrolled in North Carolina, he talked about how efficiency was important, about how um, numbers and, and things really don't tell the whole story. And a guy who averaged 14 points in one system isn't that much different from a guy who averaged 24 points in another system. Um, so I think that's the elephant in the room, and that's coloring and couching a lot of the the talk about Nasir. I've got one more recruiting question, but I want to kind of add to this Nasir discussion. What I've been kind of troubled with is trying to figure out, you know, the best way to get him involved in UNC's offense. And I've talked about, you know, maybe you need to catch the ball in certain places and, and be around the top of the key, free throw line, extended area, and just, you know, be in the spot where he can take a jump shot or, or take one or two dribbles or even back down his man from the kind of the high post and operate from there. Um, and he's been successful at times that in that realm. I think where he struggles is when he's maybe forced to create outside the three-point line or is kind of stuck with the ball and, and has to force up a shot. And I think he can do a lot more inside. I think when he transitioned to the power forward spot in a recent game, he was really effective down low. I know it was against lesser competition, probably Tennessee Tech or St. Francis, one of those uh, earlier games. Um, what do you think, Shrell, in terms of how it can be most effective offensively and, and what maybe this UNC team needs to do to get him uh, to feel more comfortable within the offense? So uh, a little preview. We've been working on um, the weekly scoop that we put out every week on the premium board. Uh, we do something every year called the Freshman Progress Report, where we talk to a, a, just a, a ton of sources, a ton of people uh, who speak on the record and off the record, just about what they've seen in you know the first 10 or so games from the freshmen. And to a T, every year, uh, we kind of hear, oh, well, that, this person, they're thinking too much, and they're not just instinctively reacting and playing. Um, I can't tell you how many times in, again, on the record and off the record conversations with parents and players and coaches of uh, UNC players the last probably 10 years, we've heard, yeah, he's just thinking too much. He's thinking too much. He's thinking too much. And I think it's the same thing with Nasir, is that uh, when you come into North Carolina, there's a lot of stuff to learn. And... Um, one of Williams' things is he wants you, you know, a, a, there's a good shot and there's the best shot. You know, if you have a, a good shot, try to get a better shot. And so, you're, you know, players are thinking about all these things, trying to make sure they do the right thing. And sometimes they lose a little bit of that instinctual edge. And it's a balance of trying to figure out, you know, when to attack and, and when to maybe uh, dial back a little bit, um, when to drive, when to shoot, trying to figure all that stuff out. And I think that's what's going on with Nasir. Um, he needs to uh, have a, a better defined role. I think that's something that he needs to talk to the coaches about. And once they get on the same page, okay, you go do this. This is what you're good at. This is where your money is made, for lack of a better expression. I think that's when he'll start to really, really – I mean, he's not playing bad now, but I think that's when you'll really see him take off. All right, guys. Good answer there, Sherelle. I want to dive into Jersey Mike's right now. It's been our sponsor all fall. If you're heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game, uh, there's a big one coming up on Saturday night. If you're driving by town, if you're heading to Raleigh or heading back to Greensboro, stop in to one of the five now Jersey Mike's of Chapel Hill locations and use the promo code HEELS15. That's an online promo code, super easy online website or app. You just have to log on, go to jerseymikes.com backslash order, show all the locations nearest to you, select the one you want to go to, click order, 
Pick your favorite sub and enter Heels15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. There's three locations all around Chapel Hill. There's one right off the highway in Hillsboro on 85 and 40. There's another one coming up to Chapel Hill uh, in the Chatham County area. So if you're coming from Pinehurst or Sanford or even Laurenburg, you can hit that one up. Skip the line, head straight to register, grab your food, and you're on your way. The guys at Jersey Mike. Jersey Mike's are huge Carolina fans. Clint, Charlie, Griffin, all good. Uh, some of our IC subscribers, all big-time fans. I was out in Vegas with them for that game, and they've been really happy with uh, the, the, the joint operation we've had here with IC and Jersey Mike. So do it today. Place your order online at the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and now Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Remember the code HEELS15. Order online, pick up your sub, help IC, help IC podcasts. It's a win-win. Help yourself with that 15% discount. Sherelle, I got one more kind of larger scheme recruiting question. I feel like UNC has kind of missed out on a lot of recruits in 2019. Um, a bunch of guys would go through the list. Josh Green, um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, uh, Zeke Najai. Um, among others, Will Baker, some other people like that, Boogie Ellis. Where do they turn now? I mean, there's only a couple guys that have offers. Um, and, and so what's going on now with 2019? They have two signees. There's a couple names. So on there, Keon Brooks is a name that I'm looking at right here. Um, where does UNC turn in 2019 class? What's the scuttlebutt? What do we need to know? Because they still need at least, what, two or three signees to kind of fill out that class for next year? Yeah, I think that's what they would like. Um, we've talked about them wanting additional firepower um, offensively on the perimeter. And, uh, you know, Cole Anthony obviously would provide that, but he's not a guarantee. Um, so he's one of the players they're still hard after. Um, Coach Williams made a recruiting trip up north. Uh, I'll leave that to our premium subscribers. He made a recruiting trip up north near the uh, Canada border. That's a, tease. <laughs> That's a tease right there, Tom. Yeah, yeah. yeah he made that uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, and then Keon Brooks as well, who uh, plays high school basketball in Indiana, is someone who I think is strongly considering UNC. So those three uh, right now are kind of what they're looking at. But one thing we've seen, um, if you look at Boogie Ellis, his recruitment, if you look at Zeke Naji, his recruitment, uh, North Carolina no longer is the school that, that waits and waits and waits and waits to offer someone, uh, especially in situations where they, they need to fill a hole. Uh, Naji went from no UNC offer to some people think he was going to pick Carolina in about two weeks time. Ellis went from no UNC offer to taking an official visit to thinking pe to people thinking he was going to pick UNC in about three and a half uh, weeks to a month. So they're, they're moving much quicker than they did uh, in the past. And I think that bodes well because, you know, there's always, uh, you know, the FBI trials out there, there are always decommitments and, and guys who ask out of their letters of intent. There's always coaching changes. There's always the grad uh, transfer route. And there's always um, just a you know, conventional transfer route. So there are ways to um, add on to your roster in the spring. You know, I, I, someone on the message board said this, but it was kind of interesting that uh, North Carolina starting lineup right now, three of the five guys didn't sign there um, until late, late uh, in their you know, in their senior year or when they were in another school. So Garrison Brooks originally committed to Mississippi State uh, in October of the year he was coming out. And then he eventually signed with UNC uh, that next April. 
uh, Kenny Williams originally signed with VCU and there was a coaching change and he signed with Carolina that next May. And then Cam Johnson, you know, was a grad transfer from Pittsburgh who ended up committing to UNC, I think in June. So there are ways to, you know, add to your roster. And I think North Carolina is aware of that. <clears throat> and if they don't uh, get guys the traditional way in the high school class, then they'll go that next route through all the ways we, you know, I just mentioned. It always seems to work out for Roy Williams. I mean, folks, folks stress, and I know Ross stresses uh, watching this stuff and listening to this stuff. Go ahead, Ross. Well, yeah, one last thing. Um, who is it? Matthew Hurt. He's got a he's got an official visit scheduled, right? Yeah, he he'll be uh, at the. He's expected to be at the uh, UNC Gonzaga game this weekend, and yeah. I'd imagine his official visit will start Friday morning and end Sunday morning, which is kind of uh, UNC's. That's kind of how they do official visits. Is that likely? It just seems like it hasn't really gone. I don't know. It just hadn't felt like a UNC vibe. I know he lives so far away, but Roy's been recruiting him for like over two years now and taking so many visits. Yeah, I mean, there, there's if you look at. So he's a kid who um, doesn't talk recruiting that much. And that's becoming more and more the case because I think there's more and more people trying to talk to them. Uh, but he, from what we understood, just hasn't been interested in really diving into his recruitment. His first official visit was last weekend, I believe, which was to Kentucky. And it's December and he's a senior. And he's just now starting to take his official visit. So that tells you kind of where the process is at. It's still early in it. Um, Kansas, Minnesota, uh, his brother plays at Minnesota. Uh, UNC, Kentucky, Duke, uh, Memphis are all kind of the schools you hear connected with him. Um, so four of the bluest bloods there are. And then Minnesota and Memphis kind of comprise his list, I would say. Um, and like you said, you know, he's had an offer from Roy Williams since the summer after his freshman year. Um, at one time, his dad, Richard, said that uh, no one had been to more games outside of the Minnesota coaching staff who was, you know, a few minutes away than Roy Williams. Um, so it speaks to how much he values what Matt Hurd does and how much he wants him at UNC. And, you know, um, it, it hasn't worked out with a few of these hybrid forward types recently. But you have to imagine at some point that someone will say, hey, you know, Luke May had amazing success playing this way in the system. I can do it, too. So you never know. Um, I, I couldn't even you know, make a guess on where Hurt will go just because nobody really has any information on him. But, you know, get him on campus and see what happens. You mentioned Gonzaga, and I, I have a bunch more recruiting questions, but I want to turn a little bit to uh, the current team. And, and you mentioned that Gonzaga weekend is coming up. Sherelle, there's a thread on the message board that asked the very same question I'm about to ask you. How big is this Gonzaga game for this North Carolina team for this season? Uh, I mean, it's important, you know, I don't want to get cliche, but it's the next game. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously they want to have a, a good, um, you know, high profile win on the resume, national television spotlight on a Saturday night when, you know, during the winter when maybe people aren't doing stuff and they're just kind of home watching on TV. Um, so from that standpoint, it'd be big for them. You know, Matt Hurt's going to be in the building. So that's arguably their one of their top recruits. So it, it'd be good for him to see a rocket Smith in their environment, to see North Carolina play well, to see Luke make, Luke May play well. But it's not, you know, it's not a must-win or anything. There are no such thing as must-win games in December. You know, it's still December. Like, they, you know, they haven't played many games. Um, ACC play is the crucible by which they'll be judged. You know, like, I just get annoyed when people get too – 
excited one way or the other about a win in November or a loss in November or a win in, in December or a loss in December. Um, just because in the end, yeah, it matters some, but it doesn't matter that much, in my opinion. I think, I mean, I think it'd be very positive for them to be competitive. I think if they look like they did against Michigan, that's it'd be kind of a step back and another step back for this team. They need they need to be very competitive in this game against Gonzaga and play to that level and show that they can play to that level. I think that would be really good to see to get some momentum heading into Kentucky game that you can play at an elite level because I don't think we've seen UNC put together a game that thinks they'll be a Final Four team. I don't think they have shown that yet. Um, and so that's what I'm kind of looking for because Gonzaga has proven I'm beating beating Duke and then obviously they lost to Tennessee, but I think Tennessee's a pretty good experienced team that returned everybody from a Sweet 16 run last year. So I think showing what they can do against Gonzaga, whether that's a loss, but it's still a really close game and they competed at an elite level um, is what I'm looking for in this game because I think it will be an awesome environment. I think it'll be a, it's a really kind of cool game for these two to play non-conference uh, on, a, on a Saturday night. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm going to take from it because I, I think it could be a game that UNC can, can easily lose. Um, oh. but, but being competitive is – and like not getting blown out of the house like they did at Michigan. Yeah, I think that's a fair point that you said. That's a very fair point because, um, you know, have they really shown they they can play against the competition? You know, now the only elite teams they really played is Michigan, and like you said, it, it was not a good outcome for them. Um, but Texas, even though they lost that game, Texas is not a, a very good team. So I don't take much from that as far as high level competition. That was just Carolina's defense was not very good, and a guy from Texas got extremely hot. Um, UCLA, they're okay, but I, they're not a caliber team that UNC would face, um, you know, in an elite, in an, in an elite eight game or anything like that. Frankly, they're not even, you know, I don't know if they'd be in the top half of the ACC, to be honest. So um, I think that's a great point. They need to show that they can compete. They need to show fire. They need to show energy. They need to show all those things. And I think Roy Williams, uh, to some degree, will live with the result as long as they, <clears throat> you know, show themselves well. Yeah, they come out and do like they did against Michigan. Uh, I hate to see that press conference because <laughs> Coach Williams was on fire up in Michigan, but Shrell and Ross both, I'll start with you, Shrell. You guys talk about they need to be competitive. I mean, are we at the point where we're talking about Carolina basketball just needs to be competitive with Gonzaga? Well, you know, Gonzaga's – I think it's safe to say Gonzaga's a better team right now. That's not a negative on, on North Carolina. But North Carolina has a lot of new parts that they are trying to meld together. Um, some of those parts are not just the freshmen, but some of the parts are, are more enhanced roles than they've been in, in the past. So all that while um, only playing, they've only played twice since Michigan. So I haven't played tw- tw- two games in the last two and a half weeks. Uh, so all that trying to get that together, you know, Gonzaga has been playing, they played Tennessee, you know, they were out in Maui. They've they've had a kind of regular schedule, whereas UNC hasn't. So I think when you add all that up together, um, and that Gonzaga's not a great matchup by <laughs> by their size and the way they play, then um, you know, it, it'd be good for UNC to win, but that's not my expectation going in, just because this is a really tough opponent. And it's been it'll be ten days since they played last. I mean, it's exams right now. It's it's kind of a weird set up time-wise and schedule-wise, it, it could come up pretty flat, just the expectation of college kids and, and 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old guys. 
I'm looking for you know someone to step up like Luke May. I feel like he just hasn't had. I don't know. He was pretty good against Wofford, but since then it's just been kind of a sleepy performances. I know he's averaging a decent amount of points and he's been an okay rebounder, but last year was just such a high level. He was just shooting and scoring in, in, in 20 points, 30 point games. And we haven't seen that yet. Um, I don't really know what's up. It's not like he's having a horrible season. It's just, we haven't seen what he did last year. Um, and maybe he said the standard too high. And the same with Kenny. I, mean, I know Kenny's had some really good games as an assist man and defender and, and Roy's always pretty pleased with his effort where the scoring hasn't been there. And I think for this team to make noise in uh, in March, they're going to need those two guys to to be consistent offensive contributors. And we haven't seen that yet. I know it's still early. It's just been kind of a weird year for those seniors. Yeah, so, agreed. Because, <clears throat> I mean, looking back at the UNCW game, that first half, it was they were sleepy. They were, it, it was like, I don't know what was going on, but they, they weren't really into it. Now, the second half, they got rolling and, and things were better. But, you know, you can't do that against Gonzaga and expect to win. You can't come out sleepy um, and play some pretty porous defense and expect to win because it's just not going to happen. They're too good of a team for that. So they're going to have to play, you know, a full 40 minutes. And I don't think they've really done that this season against, you know, um, you know, good competition. Uh, Sherelle, this is a game Nasir could break out because uh, I, I think, like Ross said, somebody needs to step up. I think you're going to get full Kobe. Um, I'm not sold on Luke May or Kenny Williams yet, but is this a game maybe um, Nasir could get cut loose a, a little bit? Because I'm not so sure Luke May, this is not a good matchup for him or the other bigs. Uh, but I think Nasir and players like him can have success against Gonzaga. They did for Tennessee. Um, your thoughts there before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, the, the another breakout game for Nasir is coming. It's just a matter of time. Um, you know, it could be. Saturday it could be Kentucky, it could be Harvard, you know, it could be in the ACC play, but it, it is coming. Um, I think one thing you have to do though is just every time we start to get down on a certain player, or every time that he maybe has a couple down games, he always comes back, and that's Luke May. Uh, last year, the first game against Duke, he didn't play really both of the regular season games against Duke. I don't think he played that great, but in the ACC tournament, you know, he he I think he had twenty nine or something like that. He had a pretty good game, and that was against uh, two guys playing in the NBA right now. Um, one seven foot, one six eleven. So, uh, just you know, just when you're about to underestimate Luke May is when usually when he comes up with a big performance. So look out for him, um, and just for for North Carolina. I'm sorry if I'm long winded, but for them, I, I think it's really just about defense. I mean, they put up they put up points fairly easily with you know guys not playing or people injured. They put up 97 against you know a solid team without uh, without Kobe. Uh, so for them, it's just all about defending. If they defend well, then yeah, they can definitely beat Gonzaga. But if they defend like they did in the first half against UNCW, like they did against Michigan, like they did against Texas, then they could get blown out very easily. I don't think that's going to happen, but because um, I think they'll play better defense. But uh, that's the key for them: just play defense, and I think the rest will fall in line. That's what I'll be watching because, like you said, if they have a, another performance like that, you can let. Um, maybe one pass or maybe one and a half or two pass early in the season. But if it happens again, then I think then it starts becoming uh, more than just a dot. It becomes a line and that trend is not good for North Carolina. And, you know, the, the schedule is not conducive to turning it on and off uh, because it's so disjointed. But I think this game more than anything, 
will tell me a lot about what to expect the rest of the season with Carolina's effort on the defensive end. Because without it, you know, they sh- they have a cold night shooting against anybody from here on out, and it's going to be a struggle. Ross, Sherell, it's always fun to talk a little basketball. I know it's been football heavy, like I mentioned earlier, but it's good to get you guys on. Sherell sitting in Greg Barnes' weekly Tuesday spot. Ross Martin doing his usual Tuesday thing. Guys, we'll get out of here now, but I hope to talk to you guys again soon. All right, Tommy, appreciate it. Yeah, Mac Brown is done. He's That's right. Carolina. It's a football school now. It's a football. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Football podcast. Thanks, football podcast. <laughs> Indeed. The basketball crew, as in you guys, need to step up. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.